everyone's like yearning to communicate real bad and then it's kind of like uh what, how does it usually go how, how are you going um what's what's new um what's happening yeah and sometimes i take these as rhetorical questions so i often don't even respond to them it's almost like <laughs> such a formality that like they're asking how you're going but they don't really want you to answer it it's just that like they've said it now so yeah. you kind of and then i sometimes i don't feel obligated to respond so i kind of just shimmy i dodge it like neo that question because yeah it can sometimes you just want to get down to it rather than go into like small talk and formalities so we never really do that on this show we kind of just go straight into it we just attack it attack what's going on yeah maybe ask attack. one question maybe one like i think the last show asked uh started with me asking how how are you going but then immediately it was like this this is what's going on and then we just enter a uh a portal together and and go in so i i appreciate that we have a friendship where we can just really do that and um you know not have to um i guess like routinely check in and do like a, we don't have to do a lot of maintenance mm. yeah what 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 would you describe as maintenance like um people like i don't know um i think with with you and i what and i have this with other people as well but it's like we don't really need to um there are some friendships that maintain and preserve the quality no matter how much time passes so you mm -hmm. maybe haven't seen them for years or maybe you haven't spoken to them for a month there are some friendships where it feels like if you haven't spoken for a month it might seem a bit more personal like maybe there's a problem um because you haven't i think some friendships are like a facade between two people and and you like play into that facade but there are some where you're just real with the person and you don't need to speak with them but when you do speak with them it comes up you come up trumps you come up ahead because you're just winning because it's a purely interactive positive conversation that's reciprocal and i seem to my primary friendships only seem to be made up of that category now whereas when i was in say high school and university there were a lot of friendships where maybe on the surface you seem to be friends but in reality you're using that person to get from a to b and that there isn't that um strength and depth to the relationship yeah i'm hearing you I'm hearing you because yeah, a lot of the time for me, it's like, um, I don't know. I don't know where to, I don't know where to begin on, um, explaining to people where I'm at usually. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just sort of like, yeah. Um, yeah, good. I don't know. Like a lot of, we spend a lot of time trying to like be respectful and, um, polite. But then we kind of that those like uh, formalities almost get in the way of any sort of real communication a lot of the time. Hey, substance, substance. Yep. And oftentimes we don't have the tools to be able to articulate what's going on with us, like the profound stuff that's going on with us. Um, what you need in a friendship to be able to even attempt to articulate some of the deeper emotions you feel or some of the deep ideas that you're philosophizing over is like an openness so that as you are drudging through trying to express yourself you have someone there who can kind of meet you halfway and help you yeah. unravel what's going on in your world and because for so many of us right now we're having these awakenings and insights and epiphanies it's like we want to focus on that and we would want to really keep people around us that are in a similar ballpark 
but also who are going to be able to support us. But it's not like you're dependent on them. It's just that you'd want to have people around you that support your growth and your journey. I really believe in that thing where they say that um, you are basically the embodiment of the four or five people that are closest to you. Like they are basically the purest reflection of who you are. So if you take a look at those people and if you can name them easily and if they, you hold them in like high regard and things like that, that's a pretty good sign for, I think you mm. as a person, whereas if there are some people who you're like, Oh, I'm not sure. Um, then yeah, you know, it's like a time for reflection. Maybe do you need to like um, change up? You want like the best people around you because that really sums up where you're at as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I thought about when you're talking about these like changes that people are experiencing and stuff, I, I read a pretty trashy sort of article about Avicii yesterday and he was mm. that his, he, he should have turned 31 yesterday mm. and he, 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 he ended his life when he was 28 years old and it was a life that a lot of people would like on the surface, like, uh, you know, being a DJ, like touring, traveling the world from one place to another. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of alcohol and drugs in the mix there, but yeah, I don't know. We know, we don't, we don't know. Obviously people are going to write articles and speculate what was going on, but yeah, none of us really know. And yeah, it's really sad that, you know, sometimes you think it's someone and think they have it all, but he was one of the most influential people on the planet at the time of death. I don't say that lightly either. His frequencies that he was using were reaching people at a level where few other people had their frequencies reach that many people and be disseminated to that many people. And I watched a really cool documentary about him because when I heard that he committed suicide, obviously like really shocked me because I don't know about you, but I really liked his early, I know he had a breakthrough song called Levels and I absolutely loved that song. I thought it was really raw and authentic and it's, there's not something I'd really heard before and I really, I really dug it and I liked some of his other older stuff. I didn't really gel with his newer stuff before he died. But if anything, he was reaching more people. He was combining like almost like Western and folk with electronic, which is like strange, but it was really, he was reaching so many people. And it's, it's almost like when people get elevated onto such a mantle, often really strange things happen. There's, this is one that I just can't let go of. Um, the Coney guy. Did we ever talk about the Coney guy? No, no, Coney 2012. Do you remember Coney 2012? Yeah, that was was like one of the first big viral sort of things to ever happen, right? This guy. Internet viral things. So it became within like three days, the third biggest YouTube video of all time in terms of numbers. I have no idea where it sits now, but at the time it, I think it had like half a billion views or something like that within three days. This was just some dude and his kid was in it. And it had this like, I can't, I can barely remember what it was about, but it was basically like, we need to find this guy and everyone got on board and everyone changed their Facebook um, profile photos to the Coney banner and things like that. Three days later, this guy is found allegedly, but there's a video of it as well. um, Running through the streets of San Diego, naked, masturbating. 
Now that to me is a red flag. <laughs> it's like, what? This guy three days ago, his whole world completely changed. And that led to him running through the streets naked, masturbating. Now I have a feeling I've got to give this guy a bit of credibility. I don't think he, three days earlier, I don't think he expected that to happen. Like that he would be running through the streets naked, masturbating. He doesn't strike me as the kind of person that would just go out on a whim and do that. So something happened. And I think when you start looking at reality as a collective consciousness, yeah, it's a group of individuals, but we're like a collective unit, like a, a hive in a way. And imagine if everyone in the hive started sending energy towards you and attention towards you, but it's not just like a few people. It's like masses upon masses upon masses, the whole world focusing on you. What would that do to a person? And it almost looks like the embodiment of what would happen if that happens is you'd run through the streets naked, masturbating and shouting at people. And I don't fully get it. And I think cause it's a mystery. That's why I haven't let this one go, but that's such a strong reaction for someone to go and do something like that. Someone who seems civilized, if you want to call it that until that point, what, what kind of clicked for him to cause him to do something like that. And then it's the same with so many celebrities that um, some die more passively like Mac Miller of a drug overdose, but then some literally do take that step to take their life, which it sounds like a Vichy did, but then we only get a story. What we got was a narrative. None of us were there. We don't really know. So I guess it leaves you with more questions than answers, really. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely, it's a common trope, isn't it, with, like, a lot of musicians and celebrities, like, uh, for, like, for it to be sort of like, I don't know, the drugs or the alcohol and the lifestyle or whatever is kind of like the thing that fuels them to, like, to get more music. So, like, the people around them, like, you know, uh, probably like, I don't know, it's like you'd think, I don't know, like we all have a limit with how much alcohol and drugs our bodies can handle, right? And like, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, I'm just speculating. I don't know what the lifestyle of a rock star is in mm. one way or another, whether you're a DJ or whatever, but like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, maybe you've got managers and people you're working with, your entourage, right? And, um, hey, this thing can kind of become normal when they kind of just view as like, I don't know, the drugs and the alcohol are kind of like the fuel, right? And then like, it's kind of like a, maybe it's kind of like a rocket ship thing where it like, it just like, just like explodes like too much fuel, like, and it can't handle it. And it's just like, yeah. But some people, some people handle it differently. Like who, who have you seen that like maybe someone younger, who's a celebrity, who's handled it really well. Can you think of anyone? Like someone who's managed to maintain their sense of self through all of the grandeur and the fame and the drugs and, you know, all the temptation that comes your way. Ah, I, I can, I think of Post Malone. I think he's like a pretty humble guy, but like, even in saying that, like, I don't really know what any of these people are like, like behind closed mm. doors, mm. like, but he seems like humble and genuine. He carries himself well. Music. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's just like, um, yeah, there's like, I don't know. There's like, it's all like sort of, I feel like it's all, well, he kind of called it, didn't it? His last album, he called it Hollywood's Bleeding. Um, 
and it's just like this whole celebrity world man it's just like super trippy hey yeah it's like there's this new counterculture of like the counterculture has become the celebrities like i'm thinking billy eilish as well who's like she wears like op shop clothes and stuff like that and doesn't really emanate that same kind of glamour that a lot of the other teen stars have come up with but in a way it's like that counterculture becomes the new culture you know what Mm. i mean it like inverts but then it's still like a celebrity um and we've kind of gone through a phase of that it feels like same with post malone but i like i don't know much about Billie eilish i I know that she's very like there's a lot of satanic symbolism that goes on there oh in her videos and stuff Yeah, yeah 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 Yeah, I know I've seen that with like Katy Perry and Kesha and I think Taylor Swift as well. Um, yeah, you see some of that stuff and you kind of go, wow, they're not even hiding it. And some some of these videos, it's like there in plain sight. You're like, wow, they're being really bullish about it. Um, yeah, whereas with Billy, yeah, I've heard her talk a few times and there seems to be like sincerity, just like a lot of these celebrities, you know, I guess they're people at the end of the day, but they're like vehicles for um expression but also messages and oftentimes you wonder if like they're kind of the vehicle and they that's all they are they don't really know what they're saying or what's going on like they have a team around them and they're kind of the agent or the conduit for something that's way bigger than them that they maybe don't even understand and um i've had to take take that into account and then realize what is this like celebrity because this status that people can reach because some people I think go in through the front door and some people go in through the back door. Like I'm thinking of um, Donald Glover. Like that's someone I really like. I like the fact that he has shown mastery across so many different platforms like comedy and writing and acting and directing and music. It's probably even more in there that he's done. And I just really respect that he's done his thing. And um, I think he always does it in a grounded fashion, but then, yeah, like, like most people we have like highs and lows. I think all people do, but it's like how we handle them. And I guess some, some get really caught up in it and some are able to ride them graciously. But it's like, I think it's a whole nother world when you can't go outside without people recognizing you. Like that's a different world to what most of us live in. A lot of times, especially when you're growing up, you often idolize to be loved so much and maybe fame seems like being a celebrity seems to be like a ideal kind of lifestyle. But when you sit down and like really put thought into it, you'd, you'd maybe go, well, there are probably quite a lot of perks to fame, but maybe I would want to be the kind of person that like I'm famous, but no one really knows what I look like. So I can just walk, I can go to the shop, you know, and maybe only like some real hardcore fan would like spot me. Maybe, maybe that's why I'm a director because directors aren't normally poster boys. You know, you don't often see, faces you can you can do your art you can be well regarded but you can just at the end of the day you can go on holiday and you're not going to get spotted too often you can go out for a meal in a restaurant and kind of remain incognito whereas some of these people don't even have that and imagine like 12 hours a day or whenever you go outside getting hammered by people it doesn't the novelty of that would wear off pretty quickly i imagine yeah 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 i'm hearing you there's definitely like, and it comes back to like privacy, right? Like how much, like, I don't know, in like, uh, we don't really have much privacy these days, like in the sense of, um, 
we openly like just give out a lot of information on ourselves right but yet like you're sort of demonstrating there's some sort of power or there's some sort of like edge you can have when you are when you're sort of unknown so to speak right like when you can when yes. you're sort of uh pseudonymous right like um you're nimble yeah yeah right it's kind of like you're not you're not showing all your cards right um and that and that has um that that has certain advantages right so that's that's the shit thing about being a, a celebrity like your privacy basically doesn't exist but then you get to fly first class and stay at fancy hotels and mm. like it's kind of a paradox because well, everyone wants to shit. give you stuff for free when you're famous and you have the most money. Um, mm. I remember in my old business, if we had someone really um, famous walk in, which we often would, the CEO would often say, oh, make sure they get their service for free. And I'm kind of thinking, if anything, we should do that for the housewife mm. who's, you know, or the single mom or whatever. Um, and these guys should pay. Um, but pay for it, them as well. Yeah. Like a virtue, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a virtue signal in a way, isn't it? It's like um, we we like your shit. We like what you do. We want you to think of us regardless because you're influential. So here's free, and they pro- here's a free product or a free meal or a free service. Mm. Like, they probably get that quite often, depending on what level you are and in, in the social structure. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, like the 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 thing that I think about, I don't know. It's like, they're, they're all icons, aren't they? And we kind of like, uh, we, we need them. They're all these characters for a culture. Right. And, um, yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. I think like we're in this, we're at this point now where it's kind of like, um, it's like a changing of the guards. Maybe this is just my personal opinion. Yes, we kind of talked about this in like an old episode, we were sort of talking about the Ellens and like the Jimmy Kimmels and like all those type of names. Right. And, um, it's interesting, right. Cause they're sort of like, you can even bring it back to like, what, what was his name? Like the guy who he used to have a, he was kind of like, for me, he was like the pioneers of the talk shows. Right. They sort of emerged in like the nineties with like Jay Leno. Mm. There was like some other guy. And then like, um, and then there's been sort of like a new generation now and that's like shaped a lot about it shaped a lot about um of like culture right and a lot of hollywood sort of stuff right and you had a lot of like sports stars go on there and like and they all sort of like i don't know what these talk shows are there's some sort of like pit right where like everyone sort of comes there and like i don't know reveals reveals their everyone sort of feels their things things are meant to feel sort of like casual and genuine right so to speak right that's where you can like go that's people would feel like they'll go watch these shows right and like a uh like a football player would come on or like uh or a tennis player or uh, any actor or whatever and that that would they give you the feeling right that they're letting their guard down and you're like hanging out with a bunch mm. of friends and mm. you're like, and you're, you're sitting on the couch there and you're like, and you're in, you're, you're on the inside kind of thing like that. That's the feeling. Right. 
Yeah, but what's really strange for us is I think we've been even more alienated from our celebrity culture because our celebrity culture is essentially America, like 90% of our celebrity culture, I would say. Like some people follow the footy players here and maybe the neighbors and home and away stars. But I don't know any of them personally. Um, and But then this country where we follow most of the stars is literally on the other side of the world. So we're so alienated from these people. And I think if anything, that creates an even bigger God complex slash pedestal propensity, like a propensity to pedestal these people as like almost like transhuman or like um, almost like so out of your reach because they're on the other side of the world, but yet we followed what these people do, these people's lives. And I'm wondering if in the next, say within the next decade, if Australia's own celebrity culture or because celebrity, we often get a lot of connotations of the word celebrity, but it's almost like who are the people that embody a lot of the cultural values. And again, I think we look mostly to Americans for our cultural values, which is so strange. And I'm wondering within the next 10 years, it's a, it's a feeling I have that um, we're mostly going to be looking to Australia and Australians for our cultural values. But then I think you had to untie and unpackage the, we've called it an identity crisis before, um, like a midlife crisis for Australia. Of like, who the heck are we? Like, who are we becoming? I think is the more important question. Um, and I think we're slowly starting to figure that out, but it's going to take time. But oftentimes I think um, we can discover that through art. And um, because what we do as artists is we kind of tap into the subconscious or the unconscious and draw things out of that. And then when we see people starting to do this on mass, we start to see certain patterns and these patterns kind of become a self-awareness tool for us to grow. And because there's so much going on in the world, I think we often have to come into ourselves because if we seek shelter out here, you know, there's so much chaos. We go within, we, speak to ourselves and we figure out who we are and then from that we express and create and then through this art we start to figure out who we really are this is because because this is going on in my world and the people close to me i can't help but feel that this is going to be happening in different pockets like i'm in melbourne that's probably happening in sydney or brisbane or where you are in perth and that it is again like we love this word uh, leading to like a renaissance for i don't know if it's for the world but i certainly get this feeling that it's happening here in australia and you know from that you can ask a few questions like what does that renaissance look like what does this mean is it planetary or national um how's it going to affect the quality of life that we have um but we're, we're kind of stabbing in the dark because we're going basically off a feeling um which intuition has always been right for me and I'm getting better if anything. And I know you, you talk about this a lot too. And I know you're the same as me, very intuitive person. And um, this is like my intuition speaking to me saying that like, there is this Renaissance that's not coming. It's here. And we don't really need to do anything. That's the funny thing. We just had to allow it. It's exciting. I guess it's part yeah, of the reason yeah. why we're doing this show. Yeah, no, it definitely, definitely is 
definitely is like part of our motivation. And like, when you talk about like, yeah, the currently what's going on in Australia, I guess like that's up to us to kind of like figure out, right? Like what, what is going on? Like what's going on in Melbourne? What's going on in Perth? Like, and then there's a whole bunch of like, I don't know, we can consult a whole bunch of news stories. We can talk to people. We can try to figure it all out. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer. Um, and on, on a tangential thing, you were sort of talking about like um, before about like these new type of celebrities. And, and you're also talking about how a lot of them are already here. And one person that came to mind was, uh, he goes by the name of PewDiePie, Felix. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But man, this guy, since like, probably for at least 10 years, for a while. He's just been making videos almost every day and it's just pretty much him and his personality just reacting to things and it's like captivated a lot of people. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he's still like the number one subscriber channel. Yep. Well, he's up there. He's in the top, he's whatever. He's way know. up yeah, there. Top, I think top I'm pretty five, sure he's, surely. Yeah. And it's like he's still, you know, it's another sort of thing, isn't it? We talk about like, like different artists and their crafts and like, this guy's just like, from my understanding, mostly just happy living in his like, in his house or whatever, making videos every day. And then I don't know, he goes on like, um, he goes on, um, he goes on like a holiday every now and then. And sometimes like I go through periods. Sometimes I've watched him daily, and then I haven't watched him in a while. But like that to me, that that's incredible. That just like one person can have more subscribers than basically like any, any news sort of channel and like how, how much we can like just sort of use this sort of connection. Well, how he has anyway, he has a connection with a lot of people and how he, for the most part, I mean, I don't know him, but he's, he, he's an example of a person that has like got like a huge celebrity status that sort of, to me looks like they still sort of like are pretty down to earth and still sort of like he's he's been in a relationship in a while he's married and like i don't know he looks like, like he does it, what he it, likes which is mm. gratifying to see yeah and i guess the really impressive thing is his output like his mm. but i've heard now he pretty much just does the recording which is like 15 minutes a day and then gets like two guys to edit it they chop it up lickety split he's got so much money behind him now that he can do that mm. so really he can work if he chooses 15 minutes a day and uh, maybe he spends more time researching or doing the things that he likes but um i don't know i don't know much about his show i don't watch it personally occasionally i've yeah. seen a video here and there but i mean that's quite a good place to be but really um like you say it's like only like the 0.1 percent get to be get to reach that many people and it's like they get so much of the pie and then the remainder get a little bit. And then after that, it's like barely even crumbs, but, um, oh, yeah. you got to be like, um, happy for culture that if they found something that, um, you know, resonates. And then obviously you look at like the effect he has on people and that's probably like a more advanced thing to measure. But, um, you know, he definitely seems to, the few videos I've seen of him, he seems to, um reflect self-development 
you know um and, and what and is it about these sort of people sort of like these characters right so you've got these sort of characters like um pewdiepie right and then you've got someone who's sort of like in a different niche who's also affecting a lot of people that's joe rogan mm-hmm. and they're sort of like they sort of act like i don't even know what to call it sort of like mirrors where people can sort of like feel and think through them right yeah like joe is um i wouldn't be surprised if he's the biggest i think he might be the biggest podcast in the world um that that's a really interesting one. I think he strikes a chord with a lot of these people. Like I've caught myself. I feel aspiring. like I know what you're going to say. It's kind of like they're actually Joe. I think for a lot of people, he's a father figure for a lot of people that are like, I don't know, 20 to like 30 sort of thing, like or young adults. Like I definitely can see that. And I think, I think for a lot of people now, they're sort of father figure or the even even maybe they're sort of people who they would consider like their friends or something. Um, and it, I think it even goes even further with people who have you heard of people who like, uh, like girls that have like a following, right. And then like, you can sign up. It's, it's a thing called only fans. And then like you get special photos or I don't know what you get like, but it's sort of like, there's a lot of this sort of like stuff, right? Where people are having these relationships through these screens, right? We technically are as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, all I know, I have a friend and she's like a model and she's younger. She's like 21. Um, and she, she, um, a mutual friend said that she's been making a lot of money recently through this app. And so it kind of sounds like it could be the same thing where like, I was like, how is she making money through this app? um maybe it's like is it like a virtual friend or something and people pay to like spend time with you virtually or to have like some sort of i don't know my understanding is is it's sort of like uh like premium premium extra content right and maybe it's like uh maybe it's sort of not suitable basically it's probably like I don't know. I'd assume there's probably different tiers, right? Like, I don't know. This is how I would make it, right? You pay like a bunch of money. If I was making one of these websites, like I would, obviously they're sort of preying on like, I don't know, the loneliness that a lot of people, a lot of men, I think a lot of young men are probably like uh, pretty isolated. I don't know. I think that's a pretty reasonable like assumption. Right. And it's just like, um, yeah, and then like you know, like uh, then then you know why not? Like I'm not I'm not hating on these girls, man. They're they're making they're they're hustling. They're I, bank, I would do the yeah. same. I'd do the same if I was like good looking girl. If you had a, if you had a booty um, like that, yeah, I would. Hey, you'd cash um, it on it. You'd cash your chips. Yeah, why not? Right? Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like yeah, it's sort of like uh, I don't know. So I think it's something like my understanding, like Patreon, where you've got like those like uh, tiers, right? Of like um, how much you want to contribute, and the more contribute, the more more exclusive content you get. Yeah. Right. Okay. That that makes sense then. Um, yeah, that's um, that's going to influence culture. That's good. it's amazing to see how much the youth is moving like kind of discovering and peering off from like where we're at like even though this might be 10 years difference it's like their world is completely 
different. Everything is accelerating so quickly. Um, and like, do you imagine, like I just saw a, a kid, 17, um, died very recently. I don't know if it was, he killed himself or it was a drug overdose, but he was like a male, but would dress up very feminine and wear like makeup. And so it's like a model, but very kind of blurred the line between like what's, what's man and what's woman. And I was looking at his situation because it stood out to me and I was like, boy, like all the stuff that was going on in his world. And he was 17 and he was already exposed to drugs and he was like embodying the feminine, but like was a boy and like being very open about it, but probably received a lot of hate for it. And I was thinking like, goodness me, like, yeah, there was like bullying and social media when we were younger, but it's almost like kids seem to grow up way quicker now based on how technology is being used um, is exposing children. I don't know if it's exposing them to more, but I mean, you'd think it is, but it's, it's having a different impact. But the, the thing, the point is, is that there's not really a control group to observe the effects because it's unprecedented. We're going through it. Um, and I don't have too many relationships with people who are like teenagers. Um, I know a few people who are like in their late teens, early twenties. I've got some good friends in that age. I don't really know many people that are like 13 or 14, but I think it would be important in this moment. If you do know someone to check in with them and like to learn from them, like where are they at? Like, are they emotionally stable? Are they, cause they're going through something that none of us have really even been through. Like we've, we went through, you and I, you know, in our late twenties now, we kind of went through like a, that we were there at the birthing of social media essentially. So that in itself was something, but now these kids are in like the hyper exponentially extended version of social media where everything's accessible all the time. Yeah. I don't think it's just, yeah, it's not just social media. It's like, it's like, yeah, all information is like accessible to you at all times. Like you said, right. And it's sort of like, this is another, this is another episode of Nick, like hates on the education system. Um, and it's like, it just, it, it, it's just like craziness, right? Because like, it's like, there is no, if you're talented enough, there's no limit for like, like your appetite for information is like, it can't be quenched. Like, mm. um, and if you want to grow, there is no limit. So like a lot of the time, like essentially I think like school has just turned into like uh freaking basically daycare, right? All the way from primary school to freaking high school, man. Like it's just glorified daycare. I think like there's not much, there's not much going on there. And it's just like, Look, man, like at the moment, I feel like it's like you're talking about the, the situation in Australia. I feel like, yeah, I feel the fear and excitement. I feel like right now in Australia, we are so fucking weighed down by so much fucking bureaucracy and just like government is fucking everywhere. It fucking pays half the people's fucking like salaries and like, um, yeah, and then like when I think about that stuff, I can I can get angry when I look at all these videos of all these like police officers like fucking telling people what to do and like all this sort of shit. It's just like fuck, you know. I, I can I, I I can get angry, 
And then I'll go through my emotion. The other side of my emotions will be kind of like, I don't know, an excitement or something. Cause it kind of, for me, it kind of means like, Oh, well, you know, like clearly, you know, the, the powers that be or whatever we want to call them are so like, have taken so much power and they, and they still want more. It's kind of like a greed where they're sort of like, um, tripping over their own sort of like uh greed for power right it's just sort of like exposing a lot of a lot of things that i don't think um are gonna hold up in the future but yeah and it's kind of like it's a mixture of fear anxiety and excitement hey because oftentimes oftentimes like if you ever have a, a relationship with someone um you know man and a woman or man and a man or a woman and a woman like a intimate relationship um, oftentimes when you have those really big discussions, when you realize things are not working, it often takes, you often have to get to a point where it's really not working to realize, Hey, we need to build a new status quo. Um, or we need to really face something. So the reason why I feel fine, despite the fact that I observe everything that you've just noted, uh, mentioned, um, is that let, let me guess you've got nothing to lose. You've got no horses in this race. Well, maybe, maybe because it's happening here on a scale that's maybe a bit more dramatic than certain other places, it might have to get to a point where we just go, no, or, or, it's or like we a- come together and go, what do we need to do to remedy this? So it's almost like when it goes in the worst direction, it can often take you to the best direction because it's like when you slingshot so far into the dark, you are that much more like ready to move back into the light when mm. you know that tension becomes unbearable it like slingshots you back oh, yeah do you get what i mean and it's a constant oh yeah a dance a dance a dance between the two um and it's all in your head really like what i often notice is that if i get on edge i kind of think i kind of self-aware and realize why am i on edge and I often realize that it pertains to information that i've been given so like you're outlook of the world could be say formulated through the news but if you lived in a cabin and you're still part of society you're just down the road in a cabin and you didn't have the news and you're walking outside right now you not much would be different the only difference would be where i am in victoria be like, oh everyone's wearing masks that's a bit weird um but if you watch the news it's like oh there's police brutality and oh there's this and there's that and everyone you know and, and it's kind of like a frequency that you take on board or you can even observe that frequency and choose to maintain your own frequency so you can still observe but if you're not maintaining your frequency you'll take on that frequency um and it's like a it's it's all in the head and and that from there it creates your reality through your perception and i'm realizing so if anything all of this has encouraged me to kind of remind myself that like i've been aware of the phrase perception creates reality for years and i've tasted what yeah right so perception creates reality right like Mm. so i feel like that that for me triggers this thing where like i feel like what's sort of happening on a day-to-day basis is like every day i sort of walk around right of my suburban perth and like everything's still the same right yeah Mm. like on the surface right yeah everything feels completely different and the way 
the encounters and the interactions I'm having with people are also like very like I'm 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 experiencing that a lot of people are going through a lot of highs and lows emotionally, and yet everyone in Australia for the most part is trying to just hold it together and like keep going. Like, and you're alluding to something that we are like the you think the rest of the world's going to follow in our footsteps in some ways. Maybe Quite I guess possibly. you're referring to like the rest of the Western world that we have a lot in common with, right? Quite possibly. Yeah. Well, I don't know what is going on in the rest of like um, the Western world, if we call it that. Um, mm. I know America sort of like each state is sort of like doing their own thing. Um um australia is kind of like the same right a bit similar a bit similar there is like yeah there is definitely sort of like this i don't know i i I don't know to be honest dude i i can't i'm not in a place to say what's going on because i honestly have no idea these are all just like my sort of theories but i think the the trend that i can that i could point out and this is just me is I think like what's sort of happening is like uh, a shift in um, a shift away from sort of like uh, we've sort of been in a while, we've been sort of congregating around these cities, haven't we? Like, and there's been like, like uh, Australia, especially, right? You've just, you sort of have Perth. um, I don't know, actually, Perth is like one of the smaller cities, right? But you've definitely got like Sydney and Melbourne, right? Are like the top tier. And then like freaking Canberra is like this bureaucratic, I don't know, city where there's like, supposedly they're, they're doing something that's useful there. Um, they, we, like my understanding Allegedly. is right. We, you just need to pay them money. Like they just, you just need to pay. Right. Um, and, but anyway, it's all sort of worked for a long time. And now I'm sort of getting the feeling that things, things aren't really working people are emotionally feeling blocked but for a lot of people even though their emotions are sort of like something's bubbling up the program must go on the show must go on we have to keep going even though something in our emotions is bubbling up that's sort of like the understanding i i i've i've um I've, uh, I've got, and whatever those, like that program has built like beautiful cities, right? Like Sydney and Melbourne, like on the surface, like materially, very beautiful, very wealthy, like some of the most nicest places to live in the world, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth. It's all like, it's freaking paradise, right? On the surface, right? But um, underneath there's something, something's going on and that's what we're saying something 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 Something's isn't add up yeah because yeah we have all this wealth we have like everyone has running water everyone has electricity everyone has all the information at their fingertips whatever they want to learn you have more you have more access to information than the wealthiest king had a hundred years ago like now if you're just a homeless person in australia you got a pretty good chances and it's been the case that you, you know, you're not going to starve to death as long as you lay off the drugs. Um, so it's like, it's, it's like pretty good. Right. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, 
this is me just sort of like trying to figure out what's going on. All of a sudden, you can't leave this island, continent, whatever you call it. And you're saying in, in the city of Melbourne, I don't even know if you can really leave the perimeters of Melbourne. Basically, you have limited freedom of movement and you need to cover your face. Um, so you sort of on board with me. Is that where we're sort of at? Is that sort of like a good sort of like level one sort of like maybe am I talking, where, where am I coming from here? Is it sort of like, is there something that you can like agree with me on this or well, are we making some progress or am I just sort of like, there, there are people, the there are people that are putting out a narrative akin to what you've just expressed. And this will help hone the point that I was making previously even further is that from this, there's this authoritarian feeling in Victoria. You have to do what I say is kind of the energy coming out. And I think this is where we're, a lot of us are realizing something is afoot, but then some people are responding with anger and frustration and resentment. Um, some are quietly watching and observing. Some are maybe more oblivious, maybe consciously, maybe unconsciously. Um, but either way, it's the same outcome. Um, but then again, one of the many benefits that's come from this situation, which is why things are always two-sided, um, is a lot of Australians are speaking up and teaching you about your rights, how to talk to police officers, how to, um, to recognize, more importantly, that if someone wants to give you a fine for not wearing a mask, that is simply an invitation and someone has to accept that invitation that someone doesn't have to be you. There are certain ways. And if I get into it now, I'm very beginner at this. So I would rather, um, I'd rather you look up if people really want to know and they're tuning in, send me a, a message and I can link you some sources um, on how to learn more about this stuff. But how to basically recognize your rights as a human being, how to reserve all of your rights and your sovereignty and your independence so that no agent or no other body can inflict something against your wish and against your will. Wow. And, and there is this, it's, it's not only a law of like the court, but it's a law of the universe. And we'd kind of forgotten about this because we'd fallen into this narrative where yeah, you know, there's been this tiptoeing of authority um, that's been just kind of sneaking up on the collective for years and years and years now. And now it's at a point where it has actually really kind of, it's always been there. It's always been there, but now it's like really in our face and we don't really know how to deal with it. But some people have stepped forward with the knowledge that is necessary for us, for us to um, become our own protectors of ourselves and our family. And, um, it's very liberating knowledge. So all of a sudden the situation that seemed dire, if you looked at it on a surface level has actually become the movement towards Liberty. Now, how's that for a concept? Very empowering and very illuminating to see that the, yeah, right. Because leading the, to price, a place. the price of freedom is internal, eternal vigilance. Like if you, reach the status of freedom the price you have to pay is eternally keeping guard um for ways that people might try and 
take it away from you. Um, and I think what you're saying and the language that you're using is, is it's like we've been in a slumber where we've just given up a lot of our rights. And um, now, now, especially I think, you know, we've kind of been talking about the younger generation and like even our generation, like uh, our people, our age, it's just like, well, what, for me personally, it's like, I don't see what I get for playing the game. Um, <laughs> if anything, it's like what, what most, what, what you want to is like, is you want to, and I think everyone, most people that are playing the game are playing it to, um, so they don't have to play it anymore. Right. It's like some sort of, the, the, the goal is to get to some sort get of, out of the retirement yeah. or something right yeah so it's just like why yeah it's i think that's like where a lot of the tension and like confusion is like stemming from right because it's like this couldn't agree more this this game was causing people to behave in very strange ways i'm sure a lot of these police officers in Victoria that are getting recorded by the good people of Victoria. I'm sure of them. I'm sure a lot of them are normal people who live normal lives. And, um, you know, there's this whole idea of, uh, even people that were working for the, um, for the Nazis, they would, they could just say they were doing their job. Right. And, um, I'm sure a lot of them probably were, Hey, um, and now it's sort of like now now we're in this sort of like weird situation that for the most part no one really knows how to describe what's going on i mean i try to i'm I, <laughs> we, I'll, humbly, we try to. I'll humbly admit I, I don't know i don't know how to like paint the picture i don't know what lens to give you to 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 look at it but yeah it's definitely like um it's definitely like, uh, it's definitely crazy in the sense of like, uh, I like the, the whole story I, I understand comes back to like some, some vaccine, call it a vaccine. That's the word we use, but it's also like a magic pill or something will be created that we can just inject into our bodies in one shape, form or another. And somehow that's going to just bring our lives back to, back to how it was before and if we just keep doing i don't know what is it the right thing or what is right uh, what is the right thing like you were saying like what are, what are these universal laws that you're talking about is it something to do with just like treat people how you'd want to be treated that well, sounds that's, pretty that's universal key, to that's me right that's, that's love thy neighbor that that corresponds to the bible and mm. And really, it's akin to loving yourself because when you love yourself, you love the person next to you. It's inevitable. So, are we a country that is just consumed by sin? And it's because we've, we, you know, it's no, it's no secret that Australia is one of the most secular countries in the world in the sense that, um, you know, mm. according to government statistics, here we go, um, that most people would identify as non-religious. Is mm. it? is this God punishing us for like worshiping false gods? 
What what are the gods we that we worship? I'll, is I'll it, tell is, you. Is our is our church the shopping center? Um, yeah, I have all these questions I have for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I feel like you're like some sort of priest now. And I'm like, I'm asking I'm like, spiritual gods. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think most people are afraid of evil. That's something that I've noticed recently, and it's caused me to draw upon that question for myself. Am I afraid of evil? I feel that I, I know evil. I know the capacity to be evil and evil can be as simple as, you know, putting jelly beans in your bag at Woolworths and then saying that they're cashew nuts and, you know, saving $5, you know, again, it's down to the person's definition, but I think there's one true way. And I think it's, that's life and that's God and that's energy um again i'm not personifying god as a man with a beard i'm i'm seeing it as pure energy and i think evil is the attempt at reversing the direction that that energy uh naturally flows through a human being so it's like resisting it's like blocking it but it's the same it's the same essence it's all one and um but i think most people are really afraid of evil but i think when you recognize that evil is just the attempt to reverse the natural direction of flow. It doesn't seem so evil. And then when you go back into ancient religious texts, such as the Kabbalah, the Kabbalah dictates that there is no one true source of evil that um, really it's just each other, you know, like that on a quantum level, if I do something selfish, something that might seem innocuous, like um, I don't know, just like take, something small from someone like a stealing or something like that um or not being not wiping the pee off the toilet seat or something like that you know me not doing that even though it might seem harmless affects the person who finds it next and they get angry and then that anger spills into the next person's universe and then that might lead to something on a bigger scale happening whereas if you just clean the pee you might not have been part of that link that led to that eruption and yeah, that, like so there was a nothing... lot of people say that Hitler became Hitler because he got rejected from art school. Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's that, and so it's like we we point at Hitler, but we kind of go, well, look at the cooperation that had to occur. That maybe if Hitler wasn't born, it could have been Himmler, or it could have been someone else who, um, you know, pulled the trigger, and that it wasn't actually Hitler. It was like a collective energy, like that was our point of evolution albeit it was quite a barbaric moment in human history um that was but there's been war warring factions throughout history at least the recorded history we've had that's been you know there's been conquer and um all that going on for like so long but like we've been going through this in stages and and we're evolving it seems but now we've got this new challenge and this new frontier and i have been inviting myself to um embrace it and not try to run from it and not try to avoid or ignore it to face it. And what it involves though, for instance, what I see in these people who are, you'd call them maybe approaching authoritarianism um, where you had to do as I say, it's kind of like the school system again, isn't it? Of like the teacher telling you what to do. Whereas I recognize that I have my own liberty and my own freedom. But what I also recognize is if I, reject and repel them it kind of creates a a bondage between me and that person that authoritarian figure so it's almost like i respect you but i recognize my freedom 
So this is what th these people who are um, training a lot of us now um, with knowing your rights. It's like, I'll pay that fine for um, not wearing a mask if you can show me the authority behind it. So a lot of the cops kind of go, yeah, it's the law. And it's like, okay, but I need you to show me the authority behind the law. And then if they're clued in and they haven't already given up by now, they'll show you an act. And then this is what the guy who I've been learning from has taught me to do. He goes, am I a man? And you ask that question to the cop and they're going to be like, what? And he's just like, just ask the question. Am I a man? And they go, yes. And it's like, what does an act, what relationship does an act have to a man? And when you actually, it might sound arbitrary that you're having this conversation, standing there talking to a cop or several cops, but like I say, it's, it's, a, um, it's an invitation, a fine. And for example, if a cop tries to force it on you, then they're the one that's in the wrong and that this can then come back against them in the future and the penal system. And some cops do become criminals when they, you know, do something that's wrong or they use force, you know, like the brutality we're seeing in America. And then if they get away with it, that shows that the system is using um, criminal um, injustice to operate. But I think as well, you, you create your reality in the situations you get in. So there are people that are naturally more street smart than others, but you do have to recognize that there are potentials for these interactions to occur um, with you and cops or you and lawmakers or whatever. Um, but you've got to know your rights because you know, you can't rely on other people to tell you, you have to know your rights yeah, and we're educating ourselves. Right now. And, and I, I think a lot of people, I, I think actually it's a small amount. It's a very small amount of Australians who are having these confrontations with yes. law enforcement. Right. Yes. I think for the most part, what's happening more is more Australians are having, I'm going to call it these confrontations, which is vague with their friends or their family. Right. Because all of these interactions, right. With even with the cops, right. It's sort of like, uh, what people are experiencing is some sort of, uh, I'll describe it as some sort of emotional, confrontation of realities of people who are just like like the cop this is a, now i'm on the side of the cops right because they have a certain idea of what reality is and they're like i'm like this is what is normal and i'm doing my job okay this what this person this doesn't align with my side my job now is to enforce this whatever right and like and then the other person for them that's like oh what like i I've been walking around without a mask and I've been living here for 10 years and now you're telling me I can't sit in, in a park mm. without a mask. Right. So it's like, if for both parties, it's like, I can, I can understand you can empathize. if I'm going to be, yeah. Right. But I think, so what's happened is like a lot of the, these are the ones that get recorded. These are the ones, you know, because obviously most people now will have like, uh, and I, 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 I recommend to you, record all your interactions with the police and talk to them minimally because at the end of the day, their job is to find you or whatever it is that they do. Like, so that's, and then now, like, so a lot of this, a, a lot of my pent up emotion right now is um, from watching these videos of these interactions. And I'm just like, I, I get very invested and I get very upset 
that it's happening, right? And I focus on that. And like, but why? I'm talking to you here. Yeah, because for me, it's like, oh, that's all wrong. Like, mm. you know, people, why are we paying our taxes to this and like all of that? And yeah, and it's just like, I feel like for me, it's like, for me, it almost in some ways emotionally brings me down to the point of like, I'm almost ready. Like, I'm almost ready to like, I'm almost getting pulled into this violence yeah. or whatever you want you to got call it. it. Um, but in saying that, the other point I was trying to make is, is like, so these are the sort of things that is like recorded and it makes its rounds on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, right? But I think what we don't see behind the scenes is most of these most of these interactions or emotional conflicts, I'll call them, where like people's realities are like uh, mm-hmm. rubbing up against each other and mm-hmm. like it's causing confusion, friction, emotions that people can't understand, right? That's basically what it, I think most of it happens between friends and family, right? Because, um, yeah, now people are like, you know, for a lot of people, they've sort of been on certain terms with a lot of people uh, or within their environment. And now that's changed. And now that adjustment causes, causes a lot of issues for people. You know, I think that's, that's a big part of it. And then like the other thing that like, I guess to bring this sort of topic full, full circle in some ways, as we do so, you know, we talk about young people a lot and schools a lot, but it's like, also, our older people are fully institutionalized and there's a lot of older people that are like spending time in, in these nursing homes and stuff, right? And it's like so much of like this, the, the, so much of what's going on right now is to like, the idea is, right, that we're doing it because, you know, the elderly are vulnerable, right? And it's sort of like some sort of virtue signaling. We have to like, we have to make sacrifices to like care for our elderly, but it's kind of like, if you think about it, it's kind of like, well, like for me, I I don't look forward to like being in one of these, like, (laughs) I don't even know what to call them. Like they call them nursing homes. Right. Right. And it's like, there's definitely, there's definitely like something, right? And I think we're in the middle of it, right? We're sort of like, we're, we're babies, right? And then we sort of, we'll go, we might go to daycare or whatever. And it's kind of like now, I'd say at the point that me and you are in our life, we're sort of like, yeah, at the sort of peak, sort of like prime. And it's like, it's only downhill from here, Lee. Like the, the thing that's waiting to be from here, right? It only gets worse, right? And like our, our prescribed future, if we, if we want to like, if, if Australia basically, if we get this, um, if we do get this pill or vaccine and everything goes back to normal, what we get to look forward to is going to one of these nursing homes where it's essentially like Benjamin Button. You go back to being a baby and shitting yourself and like someone who's paid some salary changes you, right? And it's like... <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's... that's Is that what we want to preserve? Is that, is like, that, that's the whole point? Um, yeah, pretty much sort of thing, I, right? No, I, hear, like, I hear the point. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> um, Look, there are certain old people that I'd walk past in the shopping centers when I was living on the West side of Australia. And they almost felt like zombies. They almost felt like they weren't even there. 
I don't know what's happened to that person to get them to that point. There are also old people who are very cognizant and very self-aware, even in their dying months. And there is such a thing as a peaceful death. And really, I think it's down to like the flow you have in life and the relationship you have with yourself that creates you into the being that you become. What I envision is I will live a long, healthy life and I will do my work, which may change over the years, right up until the twilight years. And the twilight years, I'll be able to sit back and enjoy everything I've built, the relationships I've created and have fostered. And then I can sit and see all the glory essentially and kind of sit back and be the observer for the final few years. And then I can leave in peace. And I can see myself making my own meals when I'm 87 because I'm, I'm here. I've got a relationship with my mind, my body and my spirit where they're all connected and they're all in unison. They're all in flow. So that if I go out for a walk every day, that's the thing I do. Or if I make wood in my, in my wood shop, you know, is that, I think that's what old men do is they make wood in, they do things of wood in wood shops. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the thing I do, whatever it is that keeps me connected with myself and keeps the relationship with myself strong, which is, I think the definition of a really healthy definition of spirituality, which is this quality quality that we admire, but we don't really know. It's kind of like the squiggly line, your eye spirituality, when you try to look at it, it goes away. You really know how to define it uh, it's like I, I, I know we're getting to the end of our usual you know time mm. that we talk this week but the thing i guess that i wanted to sort of that the point that i was trying to make was yeah it's like i think you know you were sort of saying about perception as reality i think the thing that maybe is shifting is sort of like how what we perceive to be like uh what we perceive what we, how we perceive life, I guess. Um, and like the thing that I wanted to, that I sort of remembered, um, touching on was like, I think I sent you this, this, like this photo of this thing, right. It was like, uh, it was like supposedly in Hawaii, they've like, they've got these euthanasia like machines. And I think that's like, that's something in the past years that's like, there was a big talk in Western Australia about euthanasia and I'm pretty sure like it's getting to the point where like people basically people having like the choice of ending their own life. Right. And it was like this image of like this futuristic pod thing. Right. And you go in there and you choose what TV show or what music or whatever you want audio visually like to go out to. And while you're in there, I don't know, I guess you're hooked up and you, you get, you get whatever the chemicals are and and you're off and you're off. Um, And yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, this is like, I don't want to sort of like end it on a point that like, I want to kind of wrap things up. Right. But it's kind of like maybe the whole panic and everything is, is like that, like, it's like these nursing homes are sort of like a waiting room for this thing, but it's like way more slower and painful and not, as great audio visually maybe <laughs> maybe it's not in hate well it is ha- life's in hd but 
yeah, I guess it's the lens you want to look at things with. Um, I think there's always a lesson from pain, even at a late age. So going through that nursing home process, if the person so choose, chose, um, they would um, experience something and maybe even learn something and maybe even transcend. Um, this is like the process of death, rebirth, death, rebirth. Um, oftentimes when you're old, you maybe kind of want to land on a launch pad and just be steady as you, as you depart the earth. Um, I would always, it'd be case by case, wouldn't it? That's why it's, it's kind of hard to go into. Like I would always ask why would someone want to kill themselves? Um, and if, if there was pain and the pain was unbearable instead of going, okay, well, here's a pill and you know, maybe we can help you with a pill. I would seek to go to the cause of that pain and to see if it could be alleviated or remedied just as one example. Um, so, you know, a machine like that to me wouldn't have any use, but depending on the circumstances, some people may not even be able to go on anymore. And that would be maybe a path of least resistance, but then this is, this is going to take us into a whole other segue. So I'll, I'll be careful, but, um, you know, I, I feel that when you die, it goes because you're immortal, you we'll go and have other experiences and how you end this experience is kind of collected and will basically induce which life or lives you'll go to next. That's, that's my contention. That's my feeling or more importantly, my knowing. And um, that's why I feel it's important to preserve your integrity throughout your life and, um, you know, find, when we're younger, like now we're finding what our, our model is, our infrastructure for life that we always develop and we grow and we become better and better and more refined and more refined over, over the years and seek to continue that momentum within yourself and your structure and the way you operate and, and build towards like a holistic long-term vision. And we, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if we weren't thinking long-term and we as a generation, you know, can really do this like collectively, like I'm certainly ready to age. Like I've got gray hair um, on my sides, if you didn't know. And um, so yeah, I, I, point, I have some, some, some people have pointed out that I have some as well. I've got a little bit of my beard as well. So like, you know, but age, de- I'm one of those few people where death does not scare me at all. And in a, in a way, it excites me. I, I, I'm happy being alive. I enjoy living for like many reasons, but I'm very okay with dying because I think because I've, I've let go of my identity, I use my identity. I don't get used by it. Maybe that's a good place to, to softly land. Yeah, to end yeah. it. And, 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 and if you are afraid of death, that's okay. Like, don't, don't. And, and, and if it's something like go... Go talk to people. Go, go talk right. to people about it. Well, yeah. I think this this episode, some of it is pretty heavy, man. And we've we've definitely sort of casually walked through some like pretty deep topics. And yeah, if you do feel if you do feel um if you do feel sort of down after sort of reflecting some of these ideas, and you do feel scared, talk to people. Talk to people. Talk to us. We're Lee and Nick Show at gmail.com. You can send us an email. There you go. If you want to have a discussion, 
we're always open to discuss and we're always open to improving ourselves. So we consider this an open dialogue where we're, we're figuring out the answers just like you, but enjoying the process and like basking in the ability to communicate with your fellow humans around you. So the fact that we're doing this right now in the 21st century is a sign, again, a barometer that things are going well to me. Until next time.